Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Rethinking Rehab with Dr. Shane. I hope you're all having a wonderful Tuesday, wherever you may be listening to this. I can tell you that it's another wonderful day down in Naples, Florida, where I am currently living and practicing out of. It's been a little bit more breezy today, but we're starting to get warmer temps here. Uh, Right now, it's in the upper 80s outside. Uh, Over lunch, I was able to hit some golf balls today, and it was just a wonderful day to be outside. So today, I wanted to do something a little different that I haven't in a while, and I wanted to do a research rundown today. So one of the issues that's been coming in a wave in our office recently, and the other therapist that works with me, Dr. Alex Rehm, has seen more of this and was talking to me about this last week, and I thought, you know, let me look a little further into this. And it's hamstring injuries. Um, So we've seen an increase with track athletes and football players that are training in the offseason recently with injuring hamstrings. And it hasn't necessarily been one side, right versus left, dominant versus non-dominant side. It's just been kind of interesting to us that this keeps happening. And, you know, as I was talking to Dr. Reem about this subject, I kind of brought up to him why do you think it keeps happening? You know, what do you think keeps causing this issue? And he jokingly said to me, there must be something lacking in their hamstring training protocol. And that kind of got me thinking, and I just decided to type in a scholar search and came across a pretty interesting article that was written uh, a few years ago. This is a study that was accepted, published in 2016, so fairly recent. Uh, and it's entitled, Hamstring Injuries Have Increased by 4% Annually in Men's Professional Football Since 2001, a 13-year longitudinal analysis of elite club injuries. Um, this was a study done mainly looking at professional soccer players in Europe. Um, Ekstrand, Walden, and Hagelund are the authors of this research study. I was able to pull it up free on Google Scholar, so I don't see why any of you could not be able to research and look for this article if you want to read further yourselves into it. Um, But what I hope to kind of cover in this research rundown is to kind of surmise this eight-page research study, which is accumulating 13 years of data of injuries for professional soccer players in a club uh, league. And Of course, obviously, as you can see from the title, that we've had an increase in hamstring injuries in these soccer players. So what we're kind of looking at is hamstring injuries increasing in professional athletes, hamstring injuries increasing in amateur athletes. What gives? And one thing that seemed to catch my attention with this injury was related to the lack of strength an eccentric specific strength, which is a elongating contraction of a muscle uh, that has not been utilized enough. And of course, the first thing that I talked to Dr. Reem in my office about was how many Nordic exercises are these athletes doing that you're seeing with injuries? Uh, and his answer was none. They're doing nothing for their hamstrings for strengthening. Uh, and, and what this article touches on primarily is hamstring injuries are the most common type of injury that these athletes face. 12% of all injuries on these squads are coming from hamstring related issues. They average five to six hamstring injury per squad, per, per 
team out of the whole league that they're dealing with. Um, and each injury equated to close to 80 days lost due to the injury recovery process or, you know, holding out on play just because fear of re-injury. Um, so we're talking quite a few players, quite a bit of time, and on a professional level. It's their job as athletes to be able to perform on a day-in, day-out basis. And we're seeing a consistent trend in the research showing that this is not happening. And what we're seeing here at home locally is the same situation with our high school level athletes. So the biggest takeaway from what they found in this study was that the promotion use of eccentric muscle strength training, such as Nordic hamstring exercises, significantly decreased the rate of hamstring injuries in certain athletes. So you know, when you think about a Nordic curl, I will kind of describe it for you right now. A Nordic curl exercise is a kneeling activity where your heels are either supported by a bolster behind them, or what we typically do in the office is someone just physically holds the back of your ankles to keep your feet on the ground. You then let your trunk slowly lower forward from the knee joint, which makes your hamstrings activate like crazy to slowly control the entire torso lowering from the knee joint in a kneeling position. Most athletes we see can only go maybe 30 degrees forward bending from their start position, maybe 45 if they're really strong before they need assistance to kind of come back out of that load. Um, I have seen online extremely high-level, high-training, strong-ass athletes be able to go all the way down almost 90 degrees to where their nose touches the ground, and they can let their hamstrings pull their entire body weight back up from almost a straight laying down position back into a tall kneeling position. Um, and, and going through that exercise, it's, it's an eccentric load. So when we're talking about eccentric loading, we're talking about contract that muscle you're trying to strengthen and let it lengthen out at the same time. It's the most challenging exercise and it's the highest force producing exercise that we can do is an eccentric load on a muscle. And not just with hamstrings, there's a lot of good solid research out there, which honestly has been going on since I was an undergrad. That's when I first heard about eccentrics and how much of an impact they have in training to prevent injuries that we'll see commonly like a hamstring injury. So the biggest takeaway before we go a little bit further into this is if you have hamstring injuries from sports related play, or you know someone, an athlete of some sorts that's dealing with sprinting, cutting, explosion based problems in a hamstring, the first question you needed to ask, are you doing Nordic curl hamstring exercises? And if the answer is no, or what is that? That's where you got to start at. Um, I also think an extremely tight hamstring muscle that needs to explode into a lengthened position and then contract quickly is also set up for failure. And that is something I've personally seen with just myofascial tightness. You're just tightening, tightening, tightening the muscle by not doing stretch training. And then you think that it's supposed to be able to extend at a full explosion rate, forcing all your body weight through your body. 
that kind of a load on that muscle tissue is just too much. It's not going to be able to handle it, and it's going to tear as well. So though this study mainly looks at hamstring injuries with these professional soccer players, from my personal experience treating non-athletes, we see a lot of those injuries happen due to flexibility problems too. So if there's strength issues, look at your Nordics. If there's tightness issues, look at some soft tissue work, some foam rolling, some flexibility to get that muscle longer. And lastly, kind of think about the core. So if your abdominal muscles can't maintain a good lumbo-pelvic, a good pelvis position in space, the hamstrings and the glutes sometimes have to assist with controlling a pelvic position from the, the distal end, and that can be problematic as well for a muscle that is normally intended to be a moving limb muscle that now has to contract consistently for stabilization. Those two jobs together don't work. So back to the study. The results of this research study showed that there were 1,614 hamstring injuries over this 13-year period. Um, 35% of them, which was 564 injuries, occurred during training. 1,050, 65% occurred during match play. Two-thirds of these injuries were acute and one-third were gradually onset. So what that means by the acute is that it was kind of like a snap pain right there out on the field. There was no kind of gradual increase in hamstring discomfort before it got to a point of, this hurts too much now, I'm not playing anymore. So the fact that we had such a large distribution of what I'll call instantaneous injury or acute injury um, tells me that there's definitely something regarding load tolerance for the muscle group that was a big problem. The group that falls under occurring gradual, one-third having a gradual onset, that tells me more tendonitis based. So that's going to be more overuse or potential not stretching properly and having too much load over time through a tendon. So we're looking at acute muscle pull, muscle tissue tear injury, as opposed to a slower onset progresses over time. That's going to be more probably tendonitis based injury, but it could be one or the other. That aspect of what kind of hamstring injury occurred was not set detailed in this uh, research. And that was actually something they said they need to go into more detail. At the end of it is they need to look at making their cohort a little bit more condensed as well as not looking close enough at what type of muscle was injured or what severity of the injury. Was it a semi-membranosis, a semi-tendinosis, a biceps femoris injury? Was it, you know, a full muscle tear, partial muscle tear, tendon-related issue? They didn't go into those. They just categorized them all as hamstring injuries. Um, so, you know, as I kind of touched on before, why are we seeing an increase in these injury aspects for these professional athletes? They're pros. I mean, remember, these soccer players have probably been running on a pitch, kicking a ball virtually their whole life. And one aspect that they shed light on in this study talks about the intensity of activity during practice, which is high speed running and increased number of acceleration and deceleration moments, which really in a nutshell boils down to 
they're training a hell of a lot harder in practice. And when it comes to overall progression with game-related injuries, it seems that the focus of the increased percentage of injury occurred a lot more regularly with practice-based time than it did in game. You know, they show you in uh, Table 3, each season, the number of injuries that occurred, the rate of hamstring injuries per thousand hours of training play, as well as the severity of injury. And what seems to be most apparent with this is there's more injuries happening in practice and about the same number of injuries happening in game time. And I think that's probably most attributed to if we can make practice time more simulating game time, then we're going to have better success or better retention for what we're trying to teach and practice on the actual field when playing. Um, anytime you train harder, you're going to have an increase in injury. And if your practice time, which any athlete knows this, you're in practice way more than you're actually in games. Um, if your intensity keeps going up, that could absolutely cause an increase in injury. Also, if you're more prone to get injured in practice doing something, you're probably less likely to do that same movement in a game because you don't want to hurt yourself again. So there could also be a factor of prior injury occurring in a non-game setting and concerns, fears that game time could be affected. So there could be a little bit of a reduction in, in intensity while playing in fear of further re-injury. Um, but I do think this hamstring issue is something that not just soccer players in this research article uh, point out to have difficulty with, but it's all athletes. Um, I can tell you most patients I treat I don't hear them talk much about hamstrings. I hear mainly quad strengthening. I will sometimes get calf strengthening. Seldomly, wish I heard this more, but I will occasionally get glute strengthening for athletes that, that are involved with sport training. But many of them are going to do just general gross strengthening stuff, whether it be squatting, lunging. And, you know, those gross general strengthening exercises are not bad at all to do. I think those are definitely part of any quality exercise training regiment should have your standard movements like a squat, a lunge, you know, different things that are going to involve movements of muscle groups that you do in sport. But there also has to be some specificity towards muscles that we tend to injure more. Um, not many people want to work on core strength until they hurt their backs. Um, that's just a fact I see with virtually all my low back patients. They don't want to get out there and strengthen their cores unless there's a reason for strengthening their cores. And unfortunately, telling someone you're set up for a potential injury isn't enough of a rationale for them to do it. Now, someone that has gone through an injury and you can then explain this is a potential causation for that injury and these are things you can subsequently now do to prevent going back to where you were before they have some more understanding of, well, shit, I don't want to have to deal with that pain again, and I need to keep playing this season. So, yes, now I'm committed and willing to do the things needed I should have done beforehand to prevent the injury from reoccurring. And I do feel that these hamstring uh, exercises are very vital. I don't think deadlifts are done well enough. I don't think um, different exercises that lengthen, challenge our hamstrings and our glutes in conjunction with one another are trained enough. And... You know, the fact that at the end of all of these seasons with these related injuries, um, here is a quote out of the research studies. 
the adoption and implementation of the Nordic hamstring exercises was very low among the 32 clubs participating in the elite club injury study from 2000 in 2014 and 15. That season alone, only five teams, 16% of the clubs use this exercise in full. So here we are. We know there is an exercise that is extremely beneficial for hamstring strength and limiting further injury with explosion-based movements in sports, and yet only 16% of the professional teams in this league, knowing that information, are actually implementing in their training programs. What do you think is happening in the amateur level? Absolutely nothing related to Nordic hamstring exercises are being implemented to the level that they should. Um, so take this information. You got hamstring issues. Look at that Nordic exercise. Uh, Google it. YouTube it, Instagram it, whatever you want to look at. I know it's all over the place. Um, if my descriptor wasn't good enough earlier, then watch a video on it. Um, I may potentially do a video and put it to my Naples Premier PT Instagram page um, that is demonstrating a Nordic curl exercise, and I might throw in a modification or two with it as well. So if you're not quite ready for the full-on Nordic exercise, then you can do a modification using a ball with your hands and as you lower you kind of just roll forward with the ball that upper extremity assist does help a lot with the load your trunk has on the hamstring muscles another option out there i will plug this company very quickly at the end of this podcast um, is monkey feet uh, it is a product that i recently purchased and it is a device that you put your shoe into and the device holds on to a free weight for you. So it allows you to do a knee flexion movement, like a hamstring curl standing or on your stomach with a free weight attached to your shoe. And that's another option if the Nordic exercises are not feasible for you. If you're by yourself training, then potentially look into getting a uh, monkey, monkey feet and using free weights and just doing a hamstring curl with a five second lowering process, one second raise, five seconds down, that's your eccentric load. Okay, that's what I got for today. I hope you all have a great day. Enjoy this info on hamstrings and I will see you next time.